Essentially, just go through your spending and figure out what's important to you and then budget for the stuff that's important to you and then ruthlessly, savagely, almost viciously cut the shit that you don't like. Finance, budgeting, cash flow, and investing don't have to be scary words. The We Talk Sense podcast is here to help you learn more about money and take control of your personal finances. The We Talk Sense podcast is not a financial advisor. This podcast is made for entertainment and educational purposes only. All information shared is of a general nature and does not take into account your personal situation. You should consider whether the information is appropriate for your needs and where appropriate, seek professional advice from a financial advisor. For more information, please check out wemoney.com.au slash disclaimer. Hey everyone, it's episode 49 of the We Talk Sense podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Blaze. And yeah, it's, oh, it's episode 49 and this is the 1st of November. Where where did the year go, Dan? Can can you tell me where it went? Because I have absolutely no idea. Well, as of the recording, uh, when this podcast goes live, there will be 60 days until the end of the year. And that is not too much time and about 55 days until Christmas. So we are fast wow. approaching saying goodbye and au revoir to 2021 and welcoming in 2022. Amazing. Yeah, it's uh, pretty crazy. It's gone very fast. Uh, Dan... How have you been and what have you been turning the pages on in the newspaper this week? Well, if you live in either Sydney, Melbourne or Canberra, what you can now expect is to open up realestate.com.au or domain and look for a home with, get this blaze, a median price of $1 million to buy a home. This is crazy town. (laughs) Oh, that is just bonkers. Do you know, I might have said this to you before, Dan, but... I remember as I think I was in year four, sitting down with a piece of paper, pen, drawing out my dream house. I had a master bedroom with an aquarium as a wall, awesome pool, like, you know, the house with the full works throughout my dream house. And I was like, if I ever beget, if I'm ever a millionaire, this is the house I'm going to build for myself. And in reality, a million dollars doesn't get you a house with an aquarium in the master suite. It gets you a dilapidated house in the middle of Sydney. So, yeah, median house price of a million. Ooh, it's pretty spenno. Mm, 100%. And where we come from, Blazy, in Perth, uh, you probably find the most affordable homes where the median house price in Perth uh, as of uh, September this year was about $600,000. But if you live in Sydney, do you want to take a guess where Sydney's median house price is at at the moment? Oh, my gosh. Um I am going to say my experience in Sydney is only in the Sydney city, so that's that's where I'm guess, making my guess from. I'm going to say 1.2 mil. 1.5 million dollars. You're kidding. No, you, it's gone. Oh, oh my gosh, that's insane. That is insane. In the last year, it's gone up by 30 percent. 30 percent. I mean, okay, you're a homeowner in Sydney. You are laughing. You're a landlord in Sydney, laughing. Renter in Sydney or someone looking to buy a home in Sydney, I feel for you. That That is brutal. I wonder if now that we have the green light from old ScoMo to 
travel internationally um, in the near distant in the short future. Uh, I I wonder if this will have any impact on house prices now that the borders are open and I'm sure there's a lot of travel bugs absolutely itching to get on a plane and uh, get out of here. I wonder if there will be a drop or a market correction or if they'll just keep charging higher and higher. What do you think? Blazy, I think it's an excellent topic for a podcast. This needs to be discussed because I just don't know how anybody is getting on the property ladder these days. Let's let's put a dog ear on that one and come back to that. But what else is in the news? Oh, okay. Cast your mind back, Dan. It's the mid, it's the early 90s and uh, you've come home from school with a little bit of merch from the Combank. Um, I remember myself receiving like, I think it was a little checkbook and a little orange, um, I'm sure there was a calculator, a pen and a little envelope as well and a little pack. Um, when I was welcomed to the Dolomites Club um, and throughout the week, Dolomites has been announced. It is no more. Did you hear that, Dan? Well, boys, I did hear about it. I, mean, I heard about it actually from you know another source. Um, our good mates over at Choice uh, or Choice Magazine, who gave the program a Shonky Award. For those who want to check that out, you just have to Google Choice Shonkies to see who the Choice Magazine issues awards for products that may not be you know working out well. Needless to say, the Commonwealth Bank took out a Shonky. Probably not an award that you want to win. But that's obviously no, definitely not. <laughs> huge amounts of interest, especially from the governments and regulators, to sort of start thinking about really does you know infiltrating uh, you know our uh, future generation of you know young uh, talented individuals who will become the consumers and spenders and borrowers of tomorrow um, at school. And I think all the states have voted with a big fat no, and uh, hence why I think Commonwealth Bank has taken the move to. Uh, discontinue the program. What do you think, Blaze? Well, so, okay, number one, my first thought is Scott Pape, the Barefoot Investor, would be absolutely celebrating. He'd be shaking the champagne all over the shop today because he has been so staunchly against the Dolomites program. If you've read his book or know anything about him, you know that he's not a fan of Dolomites because it's a program that was designed under the guise of financial literacy and encouraging kids to learn how to save but really, um, it wasn't that. It was a uh, hook, line, and sinker attempt at getting kids in at a really young age and getting them in the com- Combank um, um, ecosphere. I don't know if that's the right word. In the ecosystem. Ecosystem. <laughs> getting them in the yeah. ecosystem. <laughs> yes, getting them in the ecosystem and uh, making them lifelong customers. And um, interestingly enough, actually, the long way, who is a a finance a financial content creator, she's in the We Money app. She's over TikTok, all over Instagram as well. Put up a story earlier in the week saying that she still uses her Dolomites account that she got set up for her when she was a kid. So you can see that you know people are creatures of habit or they're creatures of loyalty, and uh, a lot of people that have signed up for the Dolomites account still have one. So yeah, it was a really a really clever. You know, if you if you worked at ComBank and your idea was Dolomites or you championed that idea, you'd be pretty chuffed with yourself because it worked very, very well. It got a lot of people in the door. It got a lot of loyal customers to ComBank. Um, but, yeah, the program didn't do what it said it did, which was encourage financial literacy. So, yep, it was slapped the uh, award, the Shonky Award by choice, and uh, now it's officially scrapped. Um, I'll be interested to see if, there are any other banks or apps, like maybe even Spriggy, the kids' pocket bunny app, um, 
if anyone will try and take over this space and actually encourage financial literacy from a young age for kids, because there's definitely a gap in the market. Um, but yeah, I think it, it. I think this is an. You know, it's a bit of a wake up call. If you want to promise financial literacy and encourage education, you've actually got to deliver on it. So I think it's. I think it's a win for for Australians, but definitely a big loss for ComBank. But I think a win for for our young Aussies. Hundred hmm, percent. Just come to think about what I'm going to do with all those leftover calculators because I've still got mine. It's still got like the little solar panels at the top that you can take it out and recharge it. No in the way. Sun. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, wow. Yeah. Well, uh, Blaze, what do we have in today's show? We have a very special guest joining us today, which I'm excited. It's been a while since we've had a guest with us in the uh, virtual studio. So vacuumed the chairs, put a fresh glass of water out, and we'll be welcoming in. Alex from Broke Girl Wealth to tell us her story about how she went from being stuck in debt to having a really impressive net wealth. And she'll be sharing us, a, it's spring, she'll be sharing us a couple of tips on how to spring clean your finances like our favourite Netflix cleaner, Marie Kondo. Amazing, Blaze. Let's get into it. Picture this, Dan. It's 2021. You've just walked in the door after a hard day at work and you want to play some music at your house. You call out, hey Alexa, play Get the Party Started by the Black Eyed Peas. She pumps up the jams and all is well in the world. But Dan, my question is, whose name do you call out when you want to ask a question into the void about personal finance? Hmm. Well, Blaze, of course, a few names come to mind. Uh, if we think about who the original gangsters of personal finance, it would be a good mate, Dave Ramsey over in the United States, or maybe even Scott Pape closer to home here in Australia. But they don't really have the same ring to it, do they? No, they don't. I can't imagine singing a song with those two guys' names in it for sure. <laughs> well, my suggestion would be, why don't you call out, hey, Alex from Broke Girl Wealth, because she is our very, very special guest joining us today. And she's joining us on the show a friend of the We Money community. Alex is a 26-year-old lawyer who turned her life around as she went from being broke and stuck in debt to now having a very impressive net worth, which I will let her share the figure with you herself in just a moment. She considers herself a recovering addict spender. Not only that, she is a mum to an adorable, grudel puppy, and one of her greatest achievements is keeping a fiddle leaf fig plant alive for 18 months, which is an achievement because I have tried myself and failed. We've probably seen her face pop up on your TikTok or your Insta or even in the Wee Money community as she shares her personal finance journey under the name Broke Girl Wealth. Tuning in now all the way from Sydney, welcome Alex Nikolic. It's so good to have you on the show. How are you, Alex? I'm amazing. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Blaze. I'd love Alexa to call me up and be like, hey, girl, need some personal <laughs> finance tips. I'd be flattered. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alex, look, you're already, every time I open my TikTok or my Instagram, you're already all over my feed. I think it's only a matter of time until you're in the void answering our questions about money in our homes as well. If I could be turned into an AI, my ability to saturate the market with like good finance tips would be so much easier. So let's get on that deal. Let's contact <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> yes, bring it on. Now, before we get into the nitty gritty of the finance questions, well, I guess this is finance related. Alex, you are in Sydney and you've just come out of lockdown. Freedom Day has has passed. Thank goodness. Were you one of the people that managed to save a whole chunk of cash during lockdown from not going out? Or were you one of the many, many people hitting add to cart 
getting an RSI from adding to cart and having thousands and thousands of packages rocking up at your door. So I'll, this insider knowledge, I haven't shared this on Instagram. I was so good last year. Like I was, you know, I did all the things, the knitting, the cooking, the walking this year. I don't know whether there was like a short circuit in my brain, but the only joy in my life was receiving a package. So I (laughs) did, I, I try not to buy stuff I don't need. So it was all like puppy stuff. And, you know, oh, I need this in my house. So, yeah, I look, I am a recovering spender. We all relapse. We're all human. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, nice. So hitting the add to cart quite a bit. I don't blame you. Sometimes, you know, if it, if it brings you joy, sometimes that's what you've got to do. Alex, at the start of the introduction by Blaze, we, we heard about your transition from going from broke to now having an impressive net worth. So what's your current figure sitting at at the moment? My net worth, last time I checked it, was 140000 Wow. That's amazing. That Sometimes is impressive. shocks me as well. It was in the minus for so long. <laughs> so how did you get there, Alex? What's the story behind Broke Girl Wealth and how long has it taken you to go from being in the minus to now having the hundred forty k to your name? So I think I paint a bit of a picture. So I get out of high school and I'm... I was like, you know, typical 18-year-old, thinks I know everything and got a job working at Whitner, classic Australian retail footwear brand. And Very expensive shoes, love Very it. Very expensive <laughs> shoes. And I was working there and I remember basically my pay was just, I was basically, it could have just paid me in Whitner gift cards. It would have had the same effect. I was basically just spending all my money <laughs> on Whitner shoes. Tragic. And I remember going downstairs one day and I had like, my grandparents like classic old school wogs I can say that because I'm a wog so they like give me cash and so I went down to the bank right I went down to St George where my mum had you know sent me up a bank account it's like so cutesy I had like my little envelope full of cash I remember depositing the money and turning around and Commonwealth Bank was on the other side and they had a a deal on for a credit card and I was like oh Adults Ooh. get credit cards. This is like my jet, like actual thought process. This is how crazy and young and stupid I was. And I was like, I'm going to get a credit card because it's going to help me build credit. I had no idea what that actually meant or what I could do with good credit. But I was like, I'm going to go and get a credit card because that feels like a very adult thing to do. So I did. And the bank was like, yep, yeah, cool. $3,000 limit. Honest to God, I have no idea. <laughs> I went back the other day to have a look at what I racked up because I very quickly maxed it out. And it was just like, Ooh. Whitner, Whitner, <laughs> food, 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 random things. And I, Shoes and food. Shoes and food. Like, Love it. it was quite, and it happened quite quickly over a couple of months. And I was like, oh my God, I'm totally in over my head. And for context, like that credit card limit was maxed out. It was 13 times what I was making in a week. So it was like no chance of me paying it off, you know, by the end of the month, like a good responsible consumer would do. Wow. And this wasn't even, I mean, I can't, this, there's no one to blame here but myself because my mum is a very responsible user of credit. My family's very frugal. And, you know, mum was always like, pay your credit card off in full. And that just memo that, I don't know where that memo went because I did not heed that advice. But the wake up call was seeing available balance zero and going, what the hell have I done? And, you know, at the same time, my parents were getting divorced. And I think that also kind of cast a shadow on like how much of a tool 
and also a hindrance money can be like how important it is in life and how it's something that a lot of people take for granted you know you have a you know primary place of residence you get divorced and suddenly you don't have one and that kind of threat of financial insecurity and so I was like okay I need to pay off this credit card and then to get serious and so I just I really 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 started to aggressively pay it down like I would you know I even still made mistakes like it wasn't an easy process but like spare cash tutoring money whatever it was went to that credit card and then as soon as it was paid off I reduced the limit to $500 and was like okay we're not doing that ever again and how um, old were you when you decided to pay it down I would have been like 19 20 I was really young and yes I think from that moment I mean I can only imagine what would have happened if I had a larger limit but I was just sort of like laser focused on that goal of like I've made this mistake and it wasn't smart but I'm not going to make it again and I'm going to try and learn from it and become slightly more responsible with just even like learning to budget like I had no idea how to budget. Alex it's a super powerful story and I think it's a story that a lot of young people share particularly when like they're experiencing banking for the very first time. I remember being an 18 year old thinking invincible and um, always, almost thinking that 30 life was over. Yeah. I'm, I'm over 30 years old now for listeners uh, living <laughs> at home. still here thankfully still here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some will think otherwise but um a lot of people make this very, very, very um, same mistake, and I made it too, Alex, uh, when I was 18 years old. I remember my story was I was going to a trip uh, after high school, and all the guys got together and were about to head off, and uh, I went to my current bank, which I believe was ANZ at the time, and the same thing happened. Oh, why don't I just get a credit card? And then very, very quickly, you buy you know, some luggage, you buy you know, all the things that you need to to prepare for your trip. And all of a sudden, you know, you're already $1,000 in debt. That's a story that I think is very, very common and often not talked about. So I wanted to say thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of people have been through that uh, phase before. But if we even look at a bigger picture right now, uh, non-mortgage debt, so ignoring your home loan, Mm. the average debt that uh, Gen Zs and millennials hold, so people aged approximately from 18 to 38 years old, is at $27,000. So it is a shocker to see how often people can get into uh, these traps. And you have to give yourself a lot of credit, Alex, that you stopped at one credit card because of a lot of people that might be two or three or four, potentially it becomes unmanageable. So for anybody listening right now, if you are in that situation where you think, oh my goodness, you know, things are about to sort of unravel, hopefully today's episode can tell us uh, about Alex's journey on, um, you know, paying down off that credit card and, and getting it back on track. And now course to like $140,000 in net worth. Pretty amazing. That is an insane amount of debt that you just mentioned, Dan. I have a question for both of you. Do either of you resent the banks for letting you have a credit card that young and before you've understood what it meant or the impact it could have on your life? Well, I, I don't personally, um, Blaze. I think it's, it's it's something that uh, you know it's like a you know the mosquito sort of trap, the, the, the sort of light that sort of gets you and you sort of fall into it. Um, but you know, there's a sense of personal responsibility, but there's also a sense of uh, attractive marketing that I think a lot of banks uh, sort of use to get sort of people in the door. Um, and I think it's probably a mixture of both and it's a sliding scale because ultimately you're responsible for your decisions. And this is just my perspective. People are probably going to have different perspectives to this. But I think as well, the credit culture in Australia is also quite big, right? Like if you just think us as a society, 
God, we love credit, right? In terms of not only unsecured credit or car loans or whatever else, mm. but we've replaced that now with another form of staple. And to our listeners, listening at home, everybody should know by now that you know Afterpay and ZipPay, the pioneers of the buy now pay later space, are Australian homegrown companies, right? Mm. So well, there is a natural, I think, predisposition to people to to use credit to fund their lifestyle, which is a cultural phenomenon, I think, that you know isn't present in you know some other you know, culture sort of globally to the intensity that is here in Australia. Mm. But, Blaze, I think you're totally right. I think there's something in, in, in the marketing, something in the E, something in the norms that we all have that needs to be broken. So, great question. What do you think, Alex? I agree there's an element of personal responsibility and I also think that there's an element of societal responsibility in that banks and other credit providers like Buy Now, Polita, are just working within the regulations and framework that we've provided them. And by now, probably there's a whole different kettle of fish because there aren't enough regulations. And you can have, you know, at least with banks, there's credit mm. checks. If you have one credit card, it's a lot more difficult to get a credit card with another provider without them seeing that other unsecured credit you have. Whereas with by now, probably you can have thousands of open accounts with Zip and they've all got different balances. And that can be a real world of pain that I think we're just now encountering the true uh, depths of with people really, really snowed under with buy now, pay later debt. But I do think as a society, given how much we love credit, there's a basic lack of financial literacy that we have, especially as young Australians. Like buy now, pay later became popular because people didn't like credit cards. But it's really mm. interesting to see people get into buy now, pay later debt. And it's like, it's kind of the same thing. Like it's prettier and it's easier to use and it's marketed in a very attractive way like no credit no interest but there's other fees and it's definitely not um well for some people it can really have the same detrimental impact where you're essentially just working to pay off things you've bought a couple of weeks ago and you don't have the money to pay for bills and utilities and everything else Hmm, spot on alex tell us about your journey so you know you paid off the credit card and now it's a road to like seeing positive bank balances talk us about that journey <laughs> and where you are today Ah, uh, like i think the first myth is like it's not a linear trajectory like just imagine a squiggly line and that was my road to net worth and definitely some of the troughs were more significant than the peaks for sure on getting to that i think you know, my net worth was in the minus for a long time, but if you count hex and that kind of thing. And it took me a really long time to learn to budget. I just assumed that my pay would come in and it was stuff that I spent and stuff that I put into savings. And there was no rhyme or reason or logic to what was allocated where. I didn't really know how much my outgoings were. I didn't really know how much was a realistic saving goal. So I was constantly pulling money from savings to cover my expenses And now what I slowly came to realize was people, there's like thousands of different budgets. There's the bucketing method Mm. that Scott Pape loves. There's, and there's like every single influencer has their own version of that. And they'll just call it a different thing. Then there's people who like the percentage method where it's 50, 30, 20. That was Elizabeth Warren's kind of suggested form. And I think it doesn't actually matter what you do. I think it's okay to try different things. I think we're all human. We're all different. One of the most important things I think I learned on my journey was that I work best under the sinking fund method. So I figure out like, okay, I've got car insurance in January. So there's three months to that comes due. So how much do I need to save between now and then? And then 
I would actually just have that money set aside each paycheck up to that bill and it would sit in its own separate car account. And um, that method for me was just a game changer because I found it so much more difficult to go into my car fund and take money out of it because I knew I was going to be shortchanging myself come my car insurance date. And that kind Mm. of stealing from Peter to pay for Paul was so much harder with sinking funds than it was with just this lump sum of money because I was like, well, I don't really know what this is for. It's just general savings. So what is that really, you know, is it house deposit? Is it holiday fund? I don't know. But the moment I put it into categories, literally that feeling of going into your holiday fund and taking money out, you're like, no, like I want to go to Europe Mm. or I want to do that or I want to buy a car. It's so much more difficult to do that transfer out of your savings when you know what you're taking that money from. I completely agree, Alex. Categorizing and naming what you're saving for completely, completely changes whether or not you want to dip in. There's been so many times where I'm like, ooh, there's a really nice pair of shoes on sale that I really like. Oh, there's not enough money in my account. Should I take from road trip with Maddie? Should I take from car insurance? Should I take from bills? And you're like, I don't want to take from any of those just for this pair of shoes. So I think like weighing up the cost first benefit is definitely a really, really good way to go. Mm. Um, Alex, there's something. So we've mentioned that you're on Instagram and TikTok. There is something that you shared on your Instagram recently that I really liked. And you know what? It's spring. Spring has sprung. It's spring clean Mm -hmm. season. And you talked about the concept of Marie Kondoing your money. Um, Marie Kondo being the famous uh, lady that shares her techniques on how to keep a, keep a clean and tidy home on Netflix. Um, can you explain what you mean by Marie Kondoing your money and yeah. walk us through the process, please? So it's, exa- it's a spring clean for your money. And you sit down with your credit card statement and you get three colored highlighters and you have one highlighter for needs. So what you spent money on, but you have to spend money on bills, food, that kind of stuff. You have one highlighter category for wants. So things that you bought that you love or, you know, that you look back on, you're like, oh, that really brought me joy. That was an experience that really I loved. It was brunch with the girls. It was great. And then your third highlighter color is, excuse my French, what the fuck is this? (laughs) And... (laughs) It's the bucket category for the stuff that you go back and you're like, why did I spend money on that? Or like, that was because of peer pressure or because I, you know, didn't budget properly. And then with that information, set up your budget. So set up your budget for sinking funds that cover wants and needs, and then actually sit down and go through that what the fuck bucket and figure out there might be stuff in there that you're actually like, oh, you know, this is kind of a necessity and I you know I always catch an uber because I have a late class or something like that so budget for it that's totally fine but there will be inevitably stuff in that what the fuck bucket that you're like I don't care about this maybe it's you know your partner wants to do yoga with you and you're like Mm. actually I love you but I'm that's not going to be our couple activity and you can go to yoga (laughs) and I might skip it or cocktails no couples yoga for us no couples yoga for us but Essentially, just go through your spending and figure out what's important to you and then budget for the stuff that's important to you and then ruthlessly, savagely, almost viciously cut the shit that you don't like and that doesn't bring you joy. And that three months later, you're like, I don't even don't even remember doing this or spending this money has no value. I really like that approach. And I've not done, I've not tried to Marie Kondo my finances like that retrospectively, but I've tried to catch myself when I'm out shopping. So 
something I I love love costume parties. I guess I go to as many as I possibly can. I'm always dressed up in a ridiculous outfit, but so much of my budget goes to costumes. Usually I'm pretty good with an op shop, but I can't tell you how many times I've bought, like, for example, I did dress up as girl guides recently. I chose, I bought three different pairs of shorts to wear on the bottom because I couldn't decide what would look best for the costume. (laughs) Completely unnecessary. I'm never going to wear khaki shorts again, and now I have three pairs of them, which is completely, like, that would be straight into my what the fuck budget. Why did I? I didn't need to spend that. So yeah, I think I like your way of doing it retrospectively. But I think I need to cut back in the shops when I'm hidden up Kmart or the op shop. I need to go blaze. Really, you probably don't need three options. One is probably enough, or even too many. Maybe this is something you could borrow for one night of wear. You know, mm. or maybe you need a sinking fund for costumes. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? I've thought about it, but I'm actually too terrified to do it because, yeah, that is costumes is a part of my budget that I am too scared to categorize because I think I would be, I think you would both be disappointed in me with how much I've spent on costumes compared to putting towards my future. But that's something I can work on. But it is. And I think the most important thing is actually. The retrospective activity works really well because humans are also good at denying, like, oh, I don't, it's not that much of a problem or I don't spend that much. When you go back and you actually put a figure to it, you're like, oh, actually, like, I need to plan for it or, in your case, maybe just cut down the khaki shorts. But you never know. I mean, the weirdest things come back, so it could be a trend. Well, I'll keep my fingers crossed and hope (laughs) that that day comes. brief interruption here. If you are looking to Marie Kondo your finances and need somewhere you can see all of your transactions in one place across all of your bank accounts, get the free WeMoney app. WeMoney is an app that can show you all of your transactions in one place. You can sort them by category or by merchant and it's great because you can see them all in the one place. WeMoney is free to download and use. You can get it from the Google Play or Apple App Store And if you use the code word podcast, you'll earn $5 on sign up when you connect an eligible financial account. All right, let's get back to the show. So Alex, people will be wondering, you know, 140K net worth, what is that comprised of? And, you know, how did you you get there? Is it savings? Is it property? Is it, uh, you know, something else? I did the classic, you know, my parents were very focused on buying a property that was like the one acceptable form of investment. So once I kind of got, my so I started budgeting properly and saving I did buy an investment property I was thinking about moving to Canberra for a job and so I was looking for something that would work as a home but also potentially as an investment so I bought a property in Canberra so my net worth comprises some increase in equity in that property as well as the money I've paid down it's also my superannuation uh, as well as investments and my car as well because I used to calculate when my car was paying my car loan off I figured well if I have to count this liability then I get to count the asset on the other side and anyone that's tried to buy a secondhand car lately knows that they have randomly appreciated in value so I haven't increased that but it's crazy the secondhand market but yeah so it's a mixed bag a little bit Amazing, Alex. That's really cool. And it's such a smart move. I think uh, property um, and you've, you've had a great approach where uh, you bought a property that you may consider living in at some time and 
um, that, that's called like rent vesting, right? Get the rent, but you also have an investment. That's um, super yeah. smart. Yeah. So, I mean, it's much more difficult to buy a home in Sydney than it is in Canberra. But for anyone mm. in the property market that's discouraged, um, get if that's your goal, get your leg in however you can. Might not be your dream home, but I think it's um, it's worth maybe changing the goalposts rather than and sort of abandoning the goal altogether because there's definitely still places that young people can afford to buy. It's just not maybe what our grandparents bought with, you know, a summer's worth of salaried <laughs> savings. <laughs> Alex, did you use the First Home Super Saver Scheme, the First Home Loan Deposit Scheme, or any of the other government incentives for first home buyers? They didn't exist when I bought, actually. But if I was having my time over again, I recommend it to everyone. It's such a tax-effective way of saving money. Um, basically, the First Home Super Scheme, you chuck in before tax and after tax if you want contributions and um, anything additional that you put in, you can take out. So you're, it's not anything that your employer puts in on your behalf is kind of locked away to retirement, which I think is a good thing. But you can access um, up to 25, I think it's up to 30, and I think they've increased it now again to 50, I believe. But those voluntary contributions to put towards a deposit, which is a pretty, pretty significant help with a property purchase. Yeah, for sure. On the topic of super, Alex, you're 26 and you're one of the few people around your age that I know that actually gets excited about superannuation. What is it about super that tickles your fancy and what can we be doing to make the most of our super? Oh, Blaise, I love super so much. I feel like I bang on about <laughs> this. I'm that annoying person. There's always one annoying person at a party talking about something you're the weird. the super preacher. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. <laughs> um... It's like it's the longest relationship any of us are going to have uh, unless you, you know, marry your childhood sweetheart at 16. Superannuation you've got for life and I think a lot of us maybe don't get it. I didn't get it when I was younger. But there's like $3.3 trillion of Australians' retirement savings in super. And when you consider wow. that there's that much money in there, it's the most important investment any of us are going to make because – we can't work forever. I know we all think we're young and invincible and nothing will happen, but um, between the compulsory contributions of 10% that our employers make, if you do work a salaried job or if you're in, you know, on your own business, you should be making super contributions because it gets taxed at, for most of us, a far lower rate than any of us get taxed. And it's locked away for 40 years. It's compounding. Um, you know, I, always say if you can make voluntary contributions you should and I did some maths because I love people are always like I don't have money to invest well here's my yes hit us I love maths you love maths okay here's well I don't like doing maths but I like hearing maths I get excited about it (laughs) so most people are like I can't afford to you know reach the concessional like the voluntary super contribution cap because it's it's quite big it's twenty seven and a half thousand and for a lot of us we're just not making that kind of money but let's say you put in a thousand dollars just a thousand dollars and you never added a dollar to that voluntarily so it's just your your own employer that one grand would be twenty four thousand in retirement and you did nothing and if you put in a thousand dollars every single year 
that would be $280,000 in retirement. That is huge. 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 And like, yeah, $1,000 is a lot, but over the course of a year, it's like less than 100 bucks. So it's, even if you can't do it all the time, even if you can't do it, you know, every week or every like five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever it is, um, it's one of the easiest ways to invest. And then, you know, superannuation is one of those things that if you're like, I don't really get it. I love the ATO's website. You can even compare your super, find out if you're in a good fund. Um, you can use the Your Super tool, which the government launched recently. Basically, it just compares your super fund, sees if it's a good or um, basically bad, if they're charging you a lot of money and not performing mm. very well. And then you can even move your super, like with the click of a button. There's no kind of crazy paperwork or you don't have to move it manually. They all do it for you. And then um, you can consolidate any super funds because anyone that's worked retail gets lumped into rest super when they start their first job and making sure that you're not paying double fees and not paying, not having small amounts and lots of different accounts can have like literally thousands of dollars. You could literally add to your super with 15 minutes of admin. Amazing, Alex. Uh, I'm down now in the pulpit screaming, I believe, because uh, yeah. that is an awesome, uh, <laughs> awesome way to convince somebody of the importance of superannuation. So please keep preaching away. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> Now, Alex, we're reaching the end of our interview and it has been so lovely to have you on. But before we go, I would really love to know, what would you say to someone who is currently in the position that you found yourself in at 18, 19, 20, where you were addicted to spending or and found yourself trapped in debt? What would you, what would you say to someone in that position right now? Oh, there's no shame. You know, we all had to learn to walk before we could run, so... Put the shame to one side, figure out how much debt you're in and then put together a plan to pay it off and to to learn whether that's, you know, podcasts or books. Your finances are the most powerful tool to reach some of those amazing goals that everyone has in life. And money can either be just like a shovel and you can help you get there or it can be a rod in your back. So put aside all that stigma that you have around money and learn. Whether you're at my age, you know, the age I was, or you're older, it doesn't matter. Everyone has their own path. Just, you know, one foot in front of the other in the right direction. And it will, doesn't matter if it's, you know, clearing a thousand or two thousand dollars worth of debt. It does not matter because you're in a better place than you were when you started. And that's the most important thing. Alex, it was so awesome to have you on today's show. Uh, an amazing journey of inspiration um, going off uh, from 18 to 26 and building that net worth and, uh, you know, a few few little hiccups along the way. But I think you've got an amazing uh, outlook in front of you. So I wanted to thank you for joining us today on We Talk Sense. And if people want to find a little more about you, where do they go? I am on TikTok and Instagram at Broke Girl Wealth and they can find me there. And Alex is also part of the We Money community and I will chuck links for her Insta, socials, all of the above straight in the show notes. So if you want to find out more about her, she's just a click away. Thank you so much for joining us, Alex. It was a pleasure having you on We Talk Sense. Thanks for having me, guys. So much fun. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> See you later. I want to thank everyone again for listening to another installment of We Talk Sense. 
What would mean the world to both Blaze and I is if you head to the Apple Store and give us a five-star review about the show or spread the word a message about financial wellness with somebody that you think that needs it. That would be awesome. And if you have any feedback for the show, please send us a direct message on Instagram at our handle at GetWayMoney. Yes, slide on in. We love hearing from you. And if there's anything you've learned or anything you'd like to share, we we really, really love hearing from you. It, it really brightens our day. That's enough from us for now. We'll be back next Monday with more money news and some more things to learn about. We hope you have a fabulous week. See you later. See ya. Goodbye.